Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... Her her name is Sheila Arnold-Jones, but based on a story she told before, I want to bring her up as Sheila! 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 Give her a round of applause! Usually I'm not dressed up like this when I come here. And it, Okay, Deb, you told me that if I got up here and I couldn't see the audience, I could ask to see the audience, right? Yes. So I like to see them. They're so much better. Oh, my gosh. I am not one of these big flashlight thingy-majiggies that are right here that kill you. How are you all doing? Good, good, good. All right, yeah, I can see. Oh, gosh, you all look so good. That's good. Oh, because you looked so dark before. And usually I'm the only one that looks like that. So um, it's just nice to be able to change places. So I'm all dressed up today because it was Father's Day and I had to take my daddy out to eat. And I am a daddy's girl. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. I am a daddy's girl. What I am also is a girl that did not know that there was a, a, a topic called deadlines today. So I get to talk about daddy's day. That's what I get to talk about. Because I am all daddy's girl, 52 years old. Uh, Sheila Dolores Arnold, I was born on January 22nd, 1965. My mother and father had tried to have me wait one extra day so they could have one final really good time on their anniversary, which is January 21st. I decided not to wait, and I came out. And my father has always tried to be there for me, and he has failed miserably at times, and it started right then. Because he came to the hospital with my mother in Odenton, Maryland. And back in those days, the man could not go into the office and be back there with the woman. And they're like, oh, go, you don't know what you're doing, go. And, and then the doctor came out and said, oh, sir, it's going to be quite some time. It's the first baby and everything like that. We'll call you if you need anything from you. And he said, okay, that's fine. He drove home. He walked in the door. He said, we might as well come back. You got a daughter. She's right here, right now. So he missed my very birth and holding me that first time. But that was okay. I love my dad. And my dad was in the military. He was in the Army, and we traveled all over. And I must have been a wonderful little girl. I'm telling you, I must have been. Because we eventually got stationed at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Now, in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, my parents, having never been out west, they're from up in northern Virginia area, when they're never been out west, my, my parents decided they would go visit the Grand Canyon for the first time. And they took me, their two-year-old daughter, with them. And my father thought it would be great to set his two-year-old daughter, have his daughter, have his two-year-old daughter set on the edge of the Grand Canyon and then tell my mother to move out the picture. I got to get this. Luckily, I did not fall. And the picture was taken. Years later, I asked my mom, why did she leave me? She said, I was an innocent, naive wife wanting to please my husband. That's a bunch of bull. I'm going to tell you right now, okay? They wanted me on the edge of that cliff. But time went on. And as a little girl, I wanted to do everything. And for a long time, I was a tomboy. Anybody else in here been tomboy when you grew up? Yeah, a couple of people? One, one. Okay, one other person in here with me. Thank you very much. So I wanted to be a tomboy. And so I loved to climb trees and play with trucks, and that's what I did. And my dad thought that was cool at that age because he didn't know what to do with girls. So it was like, good, she's playing with trucks. That's good. But I also thought it would be cool to be Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. 
Aaron asked me a little while ago, he said, what was your favorite, what were your, your cartoons? And I had Kimba the White Lion, which most of you don't know anything about. And then I had Speed Racer, which is still on. I don't know why. And then I had the Wonder Twins and the Justice League and all of them and Spider-Man. And so after, and I got home in the afternoon, I'd come home and, you know, I'd sit down and I'd go, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, there goes a Spider-Man. That's how I learned the words. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I love that. It was my favorite thing. Well, one day I started to think I really wanted to be Spider-Man. So I went in my backyard, and there at our house in Annandale, there was a big tree, and that tree was the perfect tree. You all know the perfect tree. It's the tree that has a branch that is just high enough for you to get to, and then every other thing on the side, the branches go up. And you know you can climb from side to side and up and down, up and down. It's like a ladder. It was awesome. And I knew I could do it. So I got on the first branch, and I went up and 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 up until I got to the top of the tree. The top of the tree. You know the part of the tree that sways in the wind? That's where I was. And from there, I was going to begin my Spider-Man song. So this was the plan. I was going to jump from branch to branch to branch to branch to branch to branch. And I began, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Finn the neighbor, Spider-Man. And every now and then I would throw up my wrist so my spidey powers would come out. Here comes the Spider-Man. And by the time I finished the song, I was at the bottom. It was awesome. Unbeknownst to me, my father had come home from working at the Pentagon. He had walked into the kitchen, put down his briefcase, went to the sink, got a glass of water, looked up as he drank out the back window and watched his eldest daughter at the top of the tree. Now what he really wanted to do was call out to me. He didn't think if he, he thought if he called out to me, I might get scared and fall down to my death, and he just wasn't ready for that yet, or at least not prepared to tell my mother. So then he just watched, and he watched as his eldest daughter went from side to side, talking to herself the whole time. And every now and then, she would throw out her wrist for some strange reason. He never understood. And then I was at the bottom. My dad opened the back door and said, Sheila, time to come in. Okay. And I ran inside. My dad never said a word. Next day came, and I knew. It was time to do Spider-Man again. Of course, I watched the show to get reinforced. And so then I went outside, and I went over to the tree, and I went up to the tree. My daddy had cut down the bottom limbs, and I was never Spider-Man again. But that was my dad taking care of his little girl, because suddenly being a tomboy was not what he wanted. 
And so I began to grow older and older, and as I got older, he had to work around this girl thing that he wasn't used to and how to hug us right or what was wrong. And, and then when we went outside, sometimes I had curlers in our hair. That freaked him out. What are you doing with curlers in your hair? You don't walk out of here with curlers in your hair. My goodness gracious, you have curlers in your hair. You're looking like an old woman. Get out of the house. I'm like, Daddy, I have to go to something. Now. I don't care. I don't walk around with curlers in your hair. And so again, I learned how to not wear curlers. And then having those conversations with my dad about, well, daddy, it's like the time, I don't, you talk, talk, talk to your mother about that. That's your mother thing. Your, your mother, well, honey, she wants to talk to you about this thing. Thing. The thing has happened. That's as close as he ever got to talking about the thing on a monthly basis. So I grew up and I continued to grow and my father got stationed overseas, and, and I got to go over there with him and, and spend some time in Germany. And I loved being around my dad because he took us to all these places. We went over to England. And, wait, I'm sorry. We went over to Italy, and we went to the top. I got to walk up the, side, the, the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa with my dad, which is something you can't do now because it's illegal, although people do it. Probably Brendan would if he was over there and had just graduated from TCC. But... Um, but I went to pa, pa, um, the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. We went to Neuschweinstein, which is the, uh, what the Cinderella Castle was made out, um, based on. And we just did amazing things with my dad. Then I went off to college. And when I got to college, I was left behind. My dad and my family had gone back over to, uh, to Germany. And I was in college in North Carolina. And I would just call home and, and I would do what you're supposed to do as a daughter with the father who loves you. And I called for money on a pretty regular basis. And so I called one day and I said, hey, mom. And she says, hey, how are you? I said, fine. Is dad there? No, he's not here right now. Uh, can I give him a message? Sure. Oh, will you tell him I, I want some money? He just sent you some money. I know, I know. But I want some more money. I want $100. Your father just sent you $100. You don't need $100. I know, I don't, but he's a sucker. He'll send it to me. And my mom went, oh, I'm going to tell your father you called him a sucker. Okay, they'll still send me the money. Click. My mom couldn't wait for my dad to come home. She was waiting. She was waiting for him, too. And he got in the house, put his stuff down. You know your daughter called today. Mm-hmm. She called. Yes, she did. What did she want? She called, asked for money. I thought I just sent her the money. You did. She said she wants $100. Mm-hmm. She said that you're going to send it to her because you're a sucker. My dad turned to my mama, looked her in the eye and said, I am a sucker for my daughter. Send her $100. <laughs> I had it like that. And then I watched my dad work through the hardest thing in his whole life. I went home after the fr my freshman year, went back to Germany, went to Germany with my family and really didn't even want to been there, be there, but I ended up having a great time. And at the end of the summer, on the very last day of June, my 14-year-old sister, four years younger than me, four years older than my youngest sister, died. It was sudden. There was no explanation. She choked on her own saliva, but how she got to that point we will never know. And my father cried and wept. And this strong, strong man who had always protected me and us from everything couldn't protect us from that. 
And behind their closed doors, I could hear the tears and the pain. And when we made our way back to America, I now know that my mother and my father had to stay at the airport while we went to my aunt's house. And my father clutched my mother's hand as they stood at an airport window watching the casket come off, the one that held their daughter. And we buried her. Because she died while my father was active duty, she's buried as an active duty dependent in Arlington Cemetery. It's pretty cool. She would have liked it a lot. And we got there and, and I watched my father grieve and cry. And I remembered the last time I'd seen my father grieve and cry like that, or cry even close to that, was when he'd had to leave. I had become the first African-American student body president in my high school. And he got orders to Germany, and I knew I couldn't leave because he had taught me to be responsible. And so... He was gone that last year of my high school year and, and then he was supposed to come home for my, for my graduation and he called me and he said, baby girl, the military can't give me the day off. I can't come home. And I did what little girls do even when they're seniors in high school and I cried and I said, daddy, but daddy, you promised me. Daddy, you promised me. You promised me. And he cried and wept on the phone and said, I know I did, baby, but I can't stop serving. That's what I have to do. And I hadn't seen those tears since that day. But my dad and my mother were strong in their faith, and they were strong for each other. And they continued to be together which is difficult. It would be after that that I started to tell my dad I loved him on a regular basis. One time I called, and I was now a senior in high school, senior in college, and I called him one day, and, and the word had it that all his secretaries knew that when somebody in the Arnold family called, let the family go through. That was a bad deal if he found out later that you didn't let the family get through. Well, this, this woman took it to the nth degree, so my father, she, I called and said, hi, is my dad there? She said, uh, uh, who is this? I said, Sheila Arnold. Oh, yes, I'll get your father right now. He was in a meeting. We were still stationed, they were stationed at Stuttgart at that time. And my father was in a meeting. He, that time, was a one-star general. And he was in a meeting with his superiors, including the commander of NATO, all around the table. And they were waiting for a phone call. So when I was punched through, he said, hello, this is uh, General Arnold talking. Hi, Daddy. Uh, uh, Sheila, uh, Sheila, yes, yes. Uh, Sheila, we're in a meeting right now. Uh, I wasn't expecting your phone call. Okay, Daddy, look, Dad, I need you to send me some money, and I need some other information from you. Can we talk about, oh, uh, yeah, we got, I'm in a meeting right now with some other people. I need you to call back later. Okay, I get it, I get it. But I need you to be able to do this, like, quickly. Can you get that to me, like, in the next couple of weeks? And she's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm in a meeting right now. Okay, Dad, no problem, no problem. I'll call you later. I love you. Uh-huh, Okay. 
I love you. Uh huh. Okay, I'm in a meeting. Did you not hear me say I love you? I, <clears throat> I love you too. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Love you. Bye. Click. He said there was silence around that table. Every head, man's head was down. And it was the commander of NATO who laughed first. <laughs> I got one of those too. My daddy was a good man. It wasn't very long ago. I got to go to Nevada. And I decided I'd go to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> that would be great. And I couldn't wait. And when I got there and I saw the, the expanse of the Grand Canyon and the colors and the, 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 the eagles that flew and the hawks, and I, just, I was astounded by it. And I walked the path all the way back to the ranger station area. And I was walking the path and I would see people. And this is where I saw the definition of dumb. It was right here. It was people that stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon. And someone would say, and they would say to the person taking the picture, Am I far enough back? Can you see the canyon? One woman kept going, back up, honey, a little more, a little more. I, I walked away from that because I knew death was impending. And it hit me. My daddy put me at the edge of the Grand Canyon when I was two years old. I immediately found a space where I could get some, some, some ability to call. I dialed my mama's number, and I said, Mama, did you really put me on the edge of the Grand Canyon? Yes, I did. And why did you do that? Well, because I loved your father. Whatever. But you really did this. Yes, I did. It's not just a story. No, it's not. Okay, thank you very much. And I hung up, and I called my daddy. Daddy, hey, how you doing? Where are you at? I'm at the Grand Canyon. Oh, isn't it pretty? It's pretty. Yes, I, I'm, yes, I got that. Daddy. Did you sit, why did you sit me on the edge of the Grand Canyon? Oh, I didn't sit you on the edge of the Grand Canyon. That's just something your mama made up. I talked to mama. Mama didn't make it up. Mm -mm. I talked to her before I talked to you. She didn't make it up. Oh, don't you worry about anything like that. <laughs> I didn't sit you on the Grand Canyon. I said, no, you didn't. You told mama to move away. I said, why did you leave me alone in the Grand Canyon? Were you trying to help me without missing a beat? Didn't seem to work real well. <laughs> My daddy. He's a man that loves me, even if at one time he'd have preferred that I'd moved a little further back. <laughs> if you'd like to tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, plenty of ways to pitch your story, and our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live. <laughs>